And Mother's Day is tough for you. Some of you have had a mother who has already passed away. Some of you have had, uh, some of you are mothers who have lost a child in death. How difficult would that be? Some of you mothers feel the pain of a wayward child this morning. But regardless of where you are, I want you to know, as Miss Connie said, that in some small way at least, every woman here today is a spiritual mother. A spiritual mother. You have so much mothering to offer, even if it's to another child that's not yours. So you're all spiritual mothers. There are some of you who are kind of flying solo as a mother. You're working hard to nurture your child's faith, to nurture your your child's uh, upbringing without the help of their father. That can be tough. But I want to tell you something this morning. A mother can make a significant spiritual impact on her children with or without the help of the father. Let me begin by introducing you to a young woman. A young woman named Eunice who was raised up in a religious home and she was greatly impacted by her mother whose name was Lois. Now, against the best wishes of her godly mother and against the teaching of her faith and against the tug of her conscience, Eunice married a man that didn't know God. She married a man uh, who really didn't care for anything religious. He didn't care about anything of faith. But she was attracted to that man, and she was drawn to that man, and she married him anyway. Now, don't get me wrong, this fellow was a nice guy. He just didn't think that spiritual matters were important. But after a couple of years, Eunice and her husband had a baby boy. And that baby boy was named Timothy. In the meantime, Eunice's dad had died. And so Eunice and her husband invited Lois to come and live in the home. But little Timmy, little Timmy, I was thinking of Tim Shelton. Little Timmy. Little Timmy was a special boy. Timmy's special, amen. He was a delight to everyone. Both mother and grandmother spent hours with Timmy teaching him the stories of the Old Testament, praying with Timmy, praying for Timmy, and training him in the things of God. But you see, they didn't have BYG back then. They didn't have Sunday school back then. They didn't have Christians in action back then. And so they had to provide a spiritual environment whereby Timmy might grow up to know and have a relationship with God. Then one day... A preacher came in named Paul into their town of Lystra and he was speaking about a man named Jesus. Both Lois and Eunice listened very closely to Paul and they came to believe that Jesus, this Jesus, was the fulfillment of all the promises they had read in the Old Testament. And so they placed their trust in Jesus and they were converted to Christianity. Then these two new believers taught little Timmy all about who Jesus was. Now, we also know that Paul himself took a great personal interest in Timmy because Timmy was now a teenager. And he began partnering with his mother and 
partnering with his grandmother in order to, to teach Timmy and lead him to saving faith in Jesus. Now later, Paul and Timothy both would partner together and they would spread the good news of Jesus Christ all over the area. Now many years later, Paul was in prison and he was waiting for his execution and he writes two letters to young Timothy and he reflects on his mother and he reflects on his grandmother and how they made such a dramatic impact on Tim's life. So with that as a background, I'm going to draw today from three scripture passages that show how both a mother and a grandmother can make a significant spiritual impact with or without the help of a father. The first way that a mother can make an impact this way is to instill a respect for God's word. In 2 Timothy, in chapter 3, Paul reminds Timothy that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus is going to suffer persecution for what they believe in. They're going to suffer persecution for what they believe in. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And then in verse 14, Paul urges Timothy, boy, hang tough when times get tough. Hang in there when times get tough. Verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Now, Timothy not only learned these things in his mind, he didn't learn these things in his head. Timothy made a valiant effort of practicing and owning what it was he was studying. He actually became convinced of the truthfulness of what mom and grandma was teaching him. And then in 2 Timothy 3.15, the Bible shows us what this truth is. Verse 15, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which you were able to make wise to you the salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. They grounded them, grounded him in God's word. From the very beginning, they taught little Timmy the value of God's word. Lois and Eunice, they kind of teamed up to provide a high-powered Bible study whereby young Timothy would know the word of God even before he started crawling. So important. They read to young Timmy about Samson and Samuel. They read to him about David and Elijah and Ruth and Abraham and Noah and all those wonderful biblical characters. In essence, though, they were living out a command they learned in Deuteronomy chapter 6, whereby the Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you, God said, are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them while you're sitting at home, when you're walking along the road, when you're lying down, when you're waking up. Talk about these things that I have commanded you. So these two mothers... They had God's word buried deep in their hearts. And because they had internalized the truth, because the truth had become a part of who they were, they could impress it upon young Timothy by talking about all throughout the day, 
Showing Timothy how the scriptures should impact their lives. Mothers, I want to tell you this morning that it's never too early to start teaching your child the Bible. Neither is it ever too late to start teaching your child the Bible if you haven't already started. Because mothers, nothing can replace the role that you play in your child's life. Nothing. Thankfully, I want to tell you that you don't have to do this by yourself. While God has indeed instilled uh, within you a desire to teach your children about how the scriptures can affect their lives, um, you do have some help. You got church, amen? And I said help, right? Not to do it for you, but to help you do it, okay? God wants to use you. Thankfully, you don't have to do it by yourself. You have church, you have Sunday school, you have um, Christians in Action, you have Bethel Youth Group that meets on Wednesdays and, and Sunday nights, you have Vacation Bible School in summer, all of which teaches the Word of God in a way that a child can understand it and embrace it. Some others, you have help, but they're not to do the job for you. Can I tell you, they cannot do the job for you. These are here to assist you. They're here to help you. They're here to assist you in helping your children learn the Word of God. You see, our job here at church is to supplement what parents are teaching at home. They're here to, to supplement what parents are, are trying to make a spiritual impact in the life of their kids. But it's just to assist and to help. Because mothers should strive to translate the Bible in every area of their lives. That's how the Bible convinces people. Not by just the reading of it, but by the living it out. That's what convinces people the Bible is true. So mothers, what kind of Bible is your child reading in your everyday life? Are you looking for ways to instill a respect for God's word in the life of your child? It's never too early and it's never too late to start today. Remember, you can make a significant spiritual impact on your children with or without the help of the father. Now there's a second way. A second way that a mom can make a, a dramatic impact on the life of their child, and that is to instill authentic faith. To instill authentic faith. Let me read for you in 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, even though Eunice and Lois were believers, at some point, Timothy would have to come to the place where he himself placed his faith in Jesus Christ. I have to tell you this morning that faith is not hereditary. You don't get faith in Jesus Christ by learning it from your mother. You don't receive it that way. It's learned. Faith is learned. It's lived. It's believed. So we can't inherit it. 
However, at the same time, while mothers can't pass that on to them, when they're living a life of genuine faith, they set up an environment where the home is fertile for the reproduction of spiritual faith. Now that word genuine in verse 5, that word genuine means it wasn't hypocritical. Sadly, so many homes have parents that come to church on Sunday and then Monday through Saturday, they're living in a different world. They're not living the life of the Christian. They're not living the life of a believer. So it's sad. So that word genuine relating to faith means it wasn't hypocritical. It was real for them. It was genuine for them. There was no pretense. There was no false facade. There was no faking it. It was for real. Faith had come and taken up residence in the mother's heart, in the grandmother's heart, and now it was alive in Timothy. You know, these two moms, they were completely sold out for Christ. These two moms were drop-dead serious about their faith. They were fully devoted. They were completely committed. And guess what? Timothy knew it. Timothy saw it. Mom and grandma were living out their faith and Timothy was witness to it. No one knows better than a child whether their parents' faith is genuine or not. No one knows better than a child if that mother or father has genuine faith. But notice the chain here. Lois to Eunice to Timothy. Again, I didn't hear any mention of a grandfather. I didn't hear any mention of a father in that equation. That's not to say that, that they're not important because they are. What I'm saying is, is that a mother can make a significant spiritual impact on her children with or without the help of the father. Moms, if you're here, say amen. If you want to instill an authentic faith in your children, then you better take your own faith seriously. If you want it to be real in their lives, it better be real in yours. Because if, if you're telling them on one hand, you need to go to church, you need to go to CIA, you need to go to Sunday school, you need to read the Bible, you need to walk by faith, not by sight, you need to live for the Lord, you need to pray, you need to study the Bible, and you don't do it, they're going to say, well, it wasn't important to her, why should it be important to me? You better take your own faith seriously. If you're just going through the motions spiritually, then your kids are going to know it. And eventually, they're going to see it, and tragically, they're going to do the same things in their life later. But, as you demonstrate your faith consistently by reading the Bible, by praying, attending worship, by bringing your kids to programs that will help them to learn and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, by participating in the life and mission of a church, boy, you're going to be sending one strong message to your children. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this. Men are what their mothers make them. We can't discount the, the wayward child. We can't discount the prodigal son. 
boy, I, I saw that in, in my own life. That men are what their mothers make them. Another proverb says, one ounce of mother is worth a whole pound of clergy. What does that mean? One ounce of good mothering is worth a whole, worth a lot more than a pound of preacher. Amen? A mother who makes an impact has got to be more interested in her children than she is herself. A mother that wants to make an impact on their child's life has got to be more interested in her child's soul than in their bodies or in their clothes. If they want to make an impact, they've got to be more interested in their children's eternal life than they are with the success in this life. If they're going to make an impact, they've got to be more interested in their children's relationship with Jesus than they are popularity with the world. Got to be more concerned about their child's standing with God than they are their social status. A mother who wants to make an impact has got to be more interested in her children's spirituality than their intellectual, musical, or athletic successes. Timothy's family environment was fertile for faith development. Is the environment in your home fertile for the reproduction and the nurturing of authentic faith in the life of your children? Is it rich soil or is it just desert sand? In rich soil, much can grow. In desert sand, not much can grow. Let me give you a third way to impact your child. And that is to instill a desire to minister. After Paul preached in Lystra, and after Timothy was converted, he returned a short while later. And I want to pick up the story in Acts chapter 16. The word says, Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. The son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted to have him go on the journey with him. And he took him, circumcised him because of the Jews who were there in that last region. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. That short caption there, I see three great qualities in Timothy that were no doubt passed down from his mom and his grandma. One, I see first of all that Timothy was a strong believer. He was a disciple. There's a difference between a disciple and a believer. You agree with that? Say amen. amen. A lot of times a believer is just a believer with his words. But in a disciple you see him believing with action. Timothy was a disciple. He was a disciple of Christ. He was serious about Jesus. He was serious about his faith. And he had this no-holds-barred attitude toward his faith in Christ. He was for real. Second, Timothy had a good reputation. Did you hear it? He was well spoken of by the brethren who were there at Lystra. 
See, the believers in the area spoke well of him. He had good character. They knew him as a man of integrity. They knew him as a man of the word. Timothy was rock solid because of mom and grandma. Number three, Timothy was available. Paul wanted to take him along. Now, Paul was a pretty much a super apostle, you know? That, that man was something. And he wanted to take young Timothy on a journey with him. He wanted to have him go on the journey with him. And Timothy went. And he knew that leaving home would, would mean that he would face a lot of hardship. But he went anyway. He'd made himself available for the work of God. Friend, I want to tell you, there is no way on God's green earth that this kind of commitment to ministry is developed if it's not been encouraged at home. There's just no way. And mothers, I want to tell you that part of your job is, yes, to instill a respect for the Bible. Part of your job is to, yes, uh, instill an authentic faith. But I want to tell you that those two elements are just the first things. Those two elements are just the preliminary for the most important job you have. And that is to instill in your child a desire to minister. I didn't say be a preacher. I didn't say be a teacher. I said be a minister. To minister. Our kids are to learn the Bible. They are to grow in their faith. But the reason why is so that they will become difference makers in this world we live in. We want our children to make a difference. So they can share their faith with other people. We want to equip them so they can minister in their church, minister in their school. We want them to serve those who are hurting. We want them to serve as missionaries. We want them to identify their spiritual gifts and most of all, use them. Did you know that every person in this room has a spiritual gift given by God? That you have a gift from God for use in the ministry, in the kingdom of God? If you're a believer, you have that gift given to you by the Lord himself. Can I ask you a question? Are you using it? Are you using your gift? The truth of the matter is we're saved to serve. The truth of the matter is, we're to be disciples so that we can go and disciple others. The truth of the matter is, we're equipped with these spiritual gifts so that we can evangelize a lost and dying world. It's getting bad out there. If you hadn't noticed. Jeff Williams did a masterful job while speaking at a high school graduation. This was his main point. He said, seniors, you've been served by your parents. You've been served by your teachers. You've been served by your pastors. It's time now to take up the towel and serve others. Growing up as a child, it's all about them. But there comes a time in a person's life where they must take up the towel and serve others. Are you? 
adults can learn this message too. See, our primary job as parents is to disciple our children so that they will, yes, grow up, but then take up the towel. Take up the towel and serve God wholeheartedly for the rest of their lives. Our focus verse this this month at CIA is Colossians 3.23. The Bible says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord and not unto men. Whatever you do. It's been said that Susanna Wesley, who was a mother of 17, how about that? A mother of 17 kids? You think you're pulling your hair out, amen? Wow. Susanna Wesley, two of her kids are John and Charles Wesley, the, the, uh, the, the instruments that God used to bring about the Methodist movement. But Susanna Wesley spent one hour every day praying for her children. And not only that, she spent one full hour every week with each of her 17 children discussing spiritual matters and how they might grow in the word of God and in the labor of love and service to God. Here are some parenting guidelines that Susanna Wesley gave. She said, subdue self-will in a child and work together with God to save his lost soul. Two, teach this child to pray as soon as that child can speak. Listen to this one. Give that child nothing he cries for. Give that child nothing he cries for, only what is good if he asks politely. Wow. To prevent lying, punish no fault that's freely confessed, but never allow a rebellious, sinful act to go unnoticed. Commend and reward good behavior. And number six, strictly observe every promise you ever make to that child. It's a pretty good word from a mother of 17. Mothers, I want to tell you, you can make a significant spiritual impact in the life of your child with or without the help of father. And you can do that by instilling a respect for the Bible, by instilling an authentic faith, by instilling a desire for ministry. And I see so much of that in our church. And so I want to applaud all you mothers for taking on the task and taking that task seriously of making a spiritual impact on the next generation. As Proverbs 31, 28 says, Her children arise and call her blessed. Mothers, I want you to stay seated. But I want everybody else to stand. Because the Bible says, Her children arise and call her blessed. So look at a mother and tell her she's blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. Amen. Arise. Arise. And call her blessed.
Proverbs 31.30 says that a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I praise God for all you mothers. I praise God for you mothers and you are blessed. And I thank you for worshiping and adoring the Lord. And I thank you most of all for passing on that legacy to your children. Thank you, Mom. Please be seated. Indeed, happy Mother's Day to you. But like I said, faith is not hereditary. You can't get your faith and you can't get heaven from your mama. That's the one thing she'd love to give you, but she can't. So I want to encourage you today that if you don't have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, that you'd make today that day. What better day, what better way to honor your mom than to place your faith and trust in the only one that can save you? Let us pray. Father God, I thank you so much for mothers. I thank you for the blessings that they are. I thank you for the mighty things that you do in them and through them. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name 